Welcome to a Night Shift Football Podcast episode. After a gap week, we had one off. There was no Europod last week, but we're back with a bang this week. Tommy joins me. There's still no Cooper. He's still got his deviant fringe show going on. I don't know. He could pop in at any time, to be honest. I think he could. Um, Tommy's here, though. How you doing, man? I'm great. It's just, I think we took a really good week off. It was a really, it just, it just seemed like a comfortable time to do it. You and I, you know, we, we, we both required it and it had nothing to do with external factors. And, you know, for us to approach this week of European football, I think we're, we're much, you know, we're revived. I feel fit. I feel ready to go. I cannot wait to deep dive into some of the results over the weekend. Mm, Yeah. Well, we'll start off with this. Uh, we had a message last week from a certain Adam Leach, loyal listener, um, who is a Manchester United fan and who was upset that there was no Europod last week because, um, Leachy. you know, United knocked out Barcelona in a big European tie, Europa League, but whatever. <clears throat> um, United also won a cup. It was a mm. league cup, but, you know, whatever. Okay, <clears throat> you win. you can only win the games that are in front of you. And then, uh, you know, so we didn't we didn't have an episode, so we didn't get to hear us talking about that. But this week, we'll definitely talk about Man United for you, Leachy, definitely, because, um, well, why not? 7-0, that's a good result, right? I have seven really good reasons why we should talk about Man United this week. Uh, absolutely. Where should we start? Do we want to actually give some praise? Because they have been on a real good run of form. Uh, oh, like, don't do this. Uh, I'm doing it. They have been on a good run of form. They did knock out Barcelona, who are looking really good and who are now, what, nine points ahead in the La Liga, which we can get to later. Um, they did win a trophy, albeit the, the least important trophy in English football, I'd say. Is it, is it l- like less important than the Community Shield? Is that considered a trophy? Uh, at least you got to win the FA Cup or the... Uh, yeah, I think it's higher than the League Cup. <laughs> You have to win one of the bigger ones so to get into it, don't you? I just, uh, yeah, they've been celebrating for a week, well, prior to the weekend's result, a competition that is worth less than a one-off game. Yes, that's, yeah. what, I'm, that's what I'm saying, yes. Um, I feel like we gave it the respect it deserves. Yeah, if, you, well, if any Man United fan can name me the previous three winners of the Mickey Mouse Cup, then go. Then please, I will take all all your all your adulation, and I'll congratulate you as much as you want. Are they all? Are they all Man City? Well, maybe they are, but they don't I know that. Tell you. I couldn't especially, tell you. Especially, especially if it is Man City, they've no. blocked it out. They don't care. It's a Mickey Mouse yeah. Cup when someone else wins it. The um, I don't know if you watched it, but um, it was an okay game of football. Casemiro got a goal. Uh, who else good? Rashford got a deflection. I think it ended up going down as an own goal. Own goal, but um, you know, this is this is at the point where if I was an Arsenal fan, I'd be like, ah, oh, trophy is a trophy. But on the inside, mm. I'm like, that's not enough. A League Cup really isn't enough. Um, I remember Arsenal that's... losing a League Cup final to Birmingham, and Ooh. you know, I've, I remember that too. You know, I've been more cut up by league wins, league losses. That's for sure. Personally, if like if I was a, as a Leeds fan, if we won the Carabao Cup, I would I would be frothing, and you know I would I'd be up and about, and everyone would be knowing about it. But I guess it's contextual, isn't it? For them, I think maybe in this situation, it is actually a good cup win because you've got a new manager, and you're talking about a revitalization of the team, trying to bring back this this giant that hasn't really won much over the last seven years, 
And so, yeah, I think if we're being serious, it is, it, it's a good result for them. And it, it, it should pave the way to better things. What those better things are. <laughs> Um, what was uh yeah, Weghorst was uh pretty chirpy as well about the places they were gonna go this team and um everyone's had a bit to say. Uh, Anthony was was it was it Anthony in absolute tears after winning a league cup? Come on, man. Calm, you got bigger fish to fry than that at United, has surely. He, has he won anything in his career? It might be because I remember when we won the under fifteens challenge cup. I was stoked, man. I was on the I was on the pitch <laughs> crying. It's the first thing I ever won. Sick. All right. That's a vulnerable moment from you. Well done. Um, I don't know. This looks really uh, convenient now. The timing, it almost looks like we planned it, but our Liverpool teammate Cooper has now jumped on board. He's jumped on the pod. I don't know if he knew we were talking. We were, we opened with Man United uh, praise slash bashing, but uh, let's talk about the Liverpool game with United. Uh, Cooper, I'm sure you watched this one. Well, well, well. Look what the cat dragged in. <laughs> he's back. Um, he's up and about. Going. Look at him. He's very excited. What a what a time to come in. I didn't know you were talking about it, but I was I was hoping like I don't know. I was probably going about 115 up the expressway, going. I've got to get in before they talk about this fucking seven nil drubbing. <laughs> For context, we had a uh, we had a listener complain that we didn't do a pod last week when United knocked out Barca and won a cup. So we thought we'd start with their United this week. Seems fair. Yeah, it does. I mean, good luck to them. They won a Mickey Mouse Cup. I heard Tom was so happy about it. And then they came to Anfield and got absolutely fucking humbled. Rick rolled. Yeah, 7-0. How about it? Gakpo double, Nunez double, all those flops that the Man United supporters have been all around. They've come to Anfield and played them into form. Yeah, this is what I like. I don't know if we've had this from Cooper yet on this pod, but it's traditionally been a very Man United bashing pod, you know, and uh, we give them praise when they earn it. But for the most part, we like to we like to keep it heated with them. So, yeah, it's the tribalism I'm here for. And thank God Coop jumped on board. Yeah, good shit. Well, I don't have a breakdown of any of that football because there's just, you know, seven goals. All I really have to say is um, I saw some comments like, oh, you know, United were shit, though, and others saying, yeah, but Liverpool were good, and it's definitely, you can have both. I think at this level, it's definitely a bit of both. Um, To concede seven, sure, the opposition are probably playing really well, but if you're conceding seven, you're obviously, you're doing something wrong consistently. So a bit of both, Mm. both can be true. Potentially. I mean, for Man United to have, like, conceded seven goals in the previous eight games and all in 48 minutes is, is pretty nuts. Yeah, like that. It's a capitulation that you could maybe, uh, maybe try and tie to mentality or team selection or you know availability of players, whatever. Uh, th- the main excuse I saw was just like the sheer amount of games they've played recently, and I thought about it and I was like, oh, you know, it can't be that much more than what anybody else has played. But you know, for Rashford to have started uh, twenty three games in seventy days. It's just insane. And they, they have competed in more matches than anyone else in the Premier League this season. Maybe this is just a tiredness that has caught up with them at the wrong moment. Yeah, could be. Could well be uh, the, the League Cup hangover, if I call it. <laughs> um, They've been celebrating all week. Do they do open open top bus? I don't know. They should. Just do it. Yeah, yeah, I, don't, they should. I don't know if you saw the... Um... 
the tweet that went viral and it was just like a bunch of Liverpool supporters retweeting it, but there was two lads in the away end with a ginormous fucking banner that had a picture of like a butcher's knife on it and it said our little Argentinian butcher running through the running through the cop end with a cleaver and then their little Argentinian butcher ended up on his fucking on all fours watching Mohamed Salah skin him up the wing and Cody Gakpo dink his fucking Spanish mate in goal. So Wow. Tell us how you really feel about it, Cooper. Oh, he's taken the he's taken the side of the the analyst this week. I think there's no yeah. there's yeah. no heatedness, no hatred in that. Yeah, I like that was it. the best moment of the game, though, wasn't it? Was just seeing that idiot he like run away from Salah at one point. I've he had no idea where he was going. Other than yeah, I mean, there's been a lot of talk about your mate Sammy Bruno Fernandez this week in terms mm. of potentially the worst ninety minutes captained by a Man United player of all time. Not just in terms of of football, but you know, I we love to hate on Man United, but what they are is like a, a a club and a footballing entity. They are like a a really proud organization, and it was probably pretty embarrassing from Bruno. Absolutely. Um, the only reason I'd say it isn't the worst ninety minutes from a United captain is because Roy Keane played for them, and he sucks. So we'll leave it. At you that. took you took the words right out of my mouth. Did you <laughs> did you see uh, the little? Uh, Fernandez push on the linesman. It's got a couple of people in a, no, in a teasel this week. Mm, yeah. Coop. Yeah, a little push on a linesman, refused to do an interview, just just wouldn't front anything post-game. And I saw a lot of like a lot of United supporters that have wanted Harry Maguire's head for so long, saying, you know, like we were right to want his head for his footballing ability, but he would have he would have at least given the armband some pride during that game. Yeah, that's not a bad shout. This it's just the way he acts, isn't it? The constant like haranguing of referees and trying to milk fouls. The amount of times he was down on the ground clutching his mouth for no reason. I think it's I've read somewhere that he wanted he was trying to sub himself. Like what a what a crazy 90 minutes for Man United. Yeah, unreal. Well, I hope that's enough for you, Leachy. I hope that's enough United chat and you got your fix. So we made up for two weeks worth in one go. Happy seven nil day. Um we'll get on to the rest of the Premier League fixtures just quickly. Uh, the fantasy update, boy, oh boy, some of the big boys have just dropped away. The guys that have been up there all year, Izzy Mount, Brendan Simpkins, Keller Miller, they've all slipped away. And our top three at the moment in third, Lockie McGregor, uh, second, Jaden Bennett, and first, our mate Todd Stansburg, Todd's Flogs from Heaps About Nothing are leading the way. Only 53 points this week, but he sits, sits on top. He's the only player in the 1600s at the moment. So what's this space? Oh, it's a good contest, isn't it? It's a proper league. If you're not, you know, if the big boys are going to slip down at this time of the season, you know you've got a title race on. I think we've done well here, Sammy. Yeah, we've got ourselves a title race. Who's going to get the coveted Night Shift Fantasy Trophy that we haven't bought yet, but definitely will for the winner. Um, <laughs> you can't pre-buy a trophy. We don't know what name's going to be on it. Yeah, well, well, yeah, you can get it engraved later, but whatever. Um, <laughs> don't tell them that. Let's go through these Premier League fixtures. We'll go as quick as we can, but Man City hosted Newcastle. Newcastle's drop off, just starting to slide a little. They, you know, a tough ask going away to City. That, you know, no matter what side you throw at them, they're pretty much capable of beating anyone two 0 And they did. They just went about it and got the job done. Yep, they certainly did. The L Sports Washico, unremarkably tasteless. This game wasn't wasn't that thrilled by it. Maybe it got the uh, the early fixture curse. But it kind of 
it, this Newcastle form line, it plays into what Coop's been saying for a while. There's three consecutive defeats, five without a win in the Prem. The well has dried up for the Saudis, I think. Yeah, I mean, it was just always about it was always about with Newcastle conceding a couple of goals if they started to, like we said, they weren't scoring very many. So if they started to shell one or two in a game, it wasn't going to be sustainable. Um, I think you spoke in the mid-season review, Tom, about thinking that they were pretty safe in the top six or seven and they'd probably get some form of European football out of it. And that seems to be where they're at. I mean, they've still got a two-point gap on Fulham, who they also have two games in hand on. So they look pretty comfortable inside the top six, but they've let Tottenham and Liverpool inside the door for the four now. So, Yeah, the slip away has begun. Um, we'll, we'll see how it goes. I wouldn't... Liverpool finding form as well. Uh, not just with the seven nil win, but they, you know, they're starting to click a little bit better. Uh, Tottenham, who knows? We'll get to them in a bit. But uh, Tom, you you told me before off air that you wanted to have a dig at Newcastle and City. You don't have anything else, or have you? It was just mainly, you know, City don't look like as relentless as we've been saying that they're going to be. No, and they don't. I mean, this is probably the jinx now, but they don't look like the side that's just going to go and steamroll the Premier League now for the next 10 to 13 games and win the league. I think when you get the opinion of that on City, you've got to sort of look back to when they've done it before. When they we spoke about after the January break, they go on these 10 to 12 game win streaks and it, and it feels relentless because they pick up 30 points in 10 games. But in reality, what makes them so good is their ability to just do enough when they need to do enough. Like if you look back to when Liverpool started closing the door on them a few years ago and it looked like they could jump them and you've got that. What springs to my mind is the company goal against Leicester. It was the that was the third um, consecutive one goal win they had in a 10 game win streak. It's just like the best teams have the ability to just get themselves over the line. Whereas the ones in the chasing pack, sometimes they just, they don't find that extra bit in the last five minutes that city do. Yeah. The, um, that's the thing with city. Sometimes I guess watching them is they don't always great to watch. You're in terms of their ball retention and how well they move the ball around. It is good. But if the opposition aren't willing to play them, it's, it's not all that exciting because they're just going to keep it. They're not going to shoot recklessly. Um, they're just going to recycle, recycle, recycle till they get that opening and then score. Um, you know, it's it's pretty Guardiola-esque, controlling the game, managing, doing what you need to do. Speaking of teams doing what they just need to do to get over the line, Arsenal came from 2-0 down against Bournemouth. God, um, oh, gee, I don't know if either of you have got anything on this one, but what an absolute belter of a game. Just scenes and pure emotion, potentially. And I think it, this is what Arsenal are doing this is championship behavior, isn't it? This is like equalizers and winners in Fergie time doing exactly what Coop just said, getting the result and the victory at by any means possible. If that means bringing, you know, Reese Nelson into the game and allowing him the opportunity to shoot like that in the 97th minute, then by all means, like give, give us the title. This it's just, it's setting up and the fairy tale is there. Just his fourth goal, Reese Nelson. Uh, Cooper, do you have anything on this one? Yeah, what a goal it was too. Um, what a way to win a Premier League fixture when you're at the top after so long chasing chasing what feels like it's a been forever title. Um, I just wonder whether it is concerning though. Like they had 
potentially been a little bit out of form and I thought they'd probably bounce back and push past that last week with that that great result they did have. And then, you know, 3-2 at home against Bournemouth with Ben White, man of the match, and and not that convincing of a performance. Um, Yeah, I think... I think it makes the game they have this week away to Fulham at Craven Cottage a really big game because, again, it now feels like a danger game after that performance. So, yeah, let's see where Arsenal are at, I guess. Yeah, they did come out and belt uh, Everton a few days prior, 4-0 at home. Um, and then in this one, it was really just a case of a kind of lost, like a lapsing concentration right at the start. Um, Bournemouth got a little bit of luck there. And then the the second goal was just a complete going to sleep from a set piece. Um, but aside from that, Bournemouth didn't trouble too much. There was one really good save Ramsdale made at 1-0 in the first half. That could have been 2-0. Um, but then they just keep going. They just keep turning the screws. They did it against Aston Villa. Um, you know, I guess that's... Fulham this week <laughs> will be a big ask away. The fixtures are starting to pile up as well. Europa League uh, kicks back in for Arsenal this week and then round of 16 they've got sporting away in Portugal and then have to come back and play the Premier League game so um, it's just gonna it's, it's just gonna be this exciting I think for uh, each week until the end of the season um, the next bunch of games Saturday night we have five games and they were all they all had some sort of impact on the relegation kind of battle perhaps Aston Villa and Palace the least so Tommy but Villa scrape a win after Palace had a goal disallowed. Um, could have been 1-0 either way, this one. Yeah, this is pure relegation watch, the way that all the games lined up in the middle sector because it was they all had such vital importance on where teams were going to sit going into the next round of fixtures. And in this one, Villa to be able to get the result, to put a couple of wins together in a row uh, and get up to 34 points. They're now, what, seven points clear of, the, of Palace and the next team. Uh, they it's it's massive. It's massive in the course of their season. And they've been so much better since Emery came in. You know, they've had a couple of slip-ups. It's going to happen, I think. But they're now, you know, asserting themselves as like a proper middle, mid, you know, mid-table team not yeah. involved in this relegation battle. So they should. They have good players, you know, and they've got a good coach so now they too. They do. They spend heaps of money. So finally, it's... You know, it's that thing we'll talk about a bunch of teams in this lower half, West Ham, like majoritively, you spend a lot of money. There's a huge amount of pressure to actually get that right. And they made the they made the jump. They said, Steven Gerrard wasn't it. Let's get in someone that could probably manage this team a little bit better. And it's I think it's working. Yeah. You also think Palace could be in a bit of trouble. Palace are in strife. Their form is just, it's shocking. I didn't look into yeah, it too deeply. but bad. I can't remember the last time they strung two wins together or, you know, even two consecutive games where they got points, yeah. you know, a red card in this game as well. The discipline is kind of letting them down at times. They've always been that side. We said last season they drew when they should have been winning and they just weren't amassing the amount of points they deserved, but it doesn't look like this season that they deserve much out of games. Yeah. I think um, we were saying off air about Southampton and Bournemouth and how Southampton have just seemed so completely horrendous at times this season, but they're still like, they're only 19th and them and Bournemouth are still only like, they're right on the edge of relegation, but there's they that can many easily teams stay down up. there. And the fact that it's, it's more perhaps down to how bad everybody in that section of the table has been. And it's for that reason as well, that I think it helps Palace because everyone has been so bad. Is anyone, are enough teams going to be able to jump them for them to, you know, 
miss out from here. It would be a big, it would be real rough on them, but you know, they are right there in the mix, five no. points out of it. I totally agree. It just, it goes to what is happening from Palace down, like Palace included, in that on average, over the course of 20 football matches played, they're only amassing three victories between the eight teams. And so they're just constantly trading places. No one can mount some kind of consistent form. And, you know, that's that's the key to staying up in the Premier League. It's just, it's crazy to see eight teams still involved in that at this point, I think. Yeah. Um, Brighton beat West Ham at the same time. Brighton put four goals away. They found a bit of a... They just had a little stumble there for a little bit, but now they're they're rocking and rolling. That they played some excellent excellent football. Some of the goals were great. West Ham's so shabby. Every time I watch West Ham, they just look they just look really poor. And they, you know, I know they've got a couple of results together, but overall, uh, they probably deserve to be where they are. And are they gonna are they gonna do enough to stay up, Cooper? I think so. I think they're just probably that team out of the out of the bottom five that will find a way to just win one or two games that they probably shouldn't and, and keep themselves alive. I, th- I think they probably do have the most talent within that bottom five at the moment. Um, like I said, I think, um, I think palace are probably safe. Uh, they're just, you said, it's not that big of a gap, but five points when you have four or five teams below them that just cannot find a win is yeah. probably quite a significant gap. Um I'm having flashbacks to the to the 27th of or the 26th of February, whenever it was, when Tom thought it was a grand idea to post a photo of Patrick Bamford waving goodbye to the relegation <laughs> zone, and now now they're still not in it, hanging off the cliff of it on goal difference. Um, still not in it. Parked in my favourites on my camera roll, just getting <laughs> getting ready for the for the last day of the season. That one. Um, no, Southampton, though, uh, I, I'm still going to back myself and say that I think Southampton are going to stay up. And I believe that Carlos Alcaraz is going to be a big part of that. Looks a looks a good get, the Argentinian for him um, from racing, I believe. He's got two goals and an assist in five games for them now. So they're starting to find some goals. Yeah, excellent stuff. Um, the other game, the next game was Chelsea Leeds. Um, I think perhaps the story here, as much as people will want to say it's Chelsea finally getting a win, um, you know, it did take a set piece. They played pretty well, though. They hit the post a few times. Jean Felix looked very dangerous, just couldn't, probably didn't get the luck he deserved. But I think the biggest story out of this is just how awful Leeds looked when, uh, I know they lost 1-0. This could have easily been a lot more, Tommy. Yeah. Toothless, you described it. Toothless is a much better description. I wouldn't say awful because it's okay. it's a tale of two Leeds teams now. Do you want the chaos ball of Marsh, the constant attacking where you don't know how to defend? Or do you want this kind of Leeds where we're like boring and pragmatic and defensive and just all of the things I hate? Though, was it? No, but you're playing against a side that has invested 600 million pounds yeah. into their team over the last 12 months. And so, you know, irrespective of Chelsea's position, you got guys like Jao Felix running at Luke Ayling. And yeah. there's there's a golf. There's a golf in quality there. There's a lot to be said for just like Leeds' quality and it's not there. And, the, you know, the seasons prior, you rely on Bielsa to get something out of these players that wasn't there prior. And now you're just left with all these bang average players and you're like, oh, how do we stay up in the Premier League? Mm, it's it's tough. We just can't score goals now. No, um, it. And it does look like goal difference is going to be a factor, though. So if you can stop goals going in at the other end, that might help. That's all that's keeping you out at the moment. So in uh, days gone past, I'd say a game, in 
the last year or two, a game like this against Chelsea could have got out of hand and you would chase try and chase the win at 1-0 down and it ends up being 4-5, maybe 6. Um, mm-hmm. And that would put you right in the mouth of Everton there. So um, I guess you take the 1-0 at the bridge against a $600 million side. I suppose. It's like this yeah, is yeah, Leeds maturing. Too. It's Leeds maturing, I guess. All of a sudden, <laughs> like, oh, no, we've got to play the game if we want to stay in this league. He's doing a, for the listeners at home, he's doing a half like eye roll thing there as well at the maturing. Ugh, I hate it. In it's, a, it's a tough time. It. In a moment where Chelsea are a very vulnerable side, does this feel like a missed opportunity to pick points up in a relegation battle? Oh, definitely. Because we beat them 3 0 earlier in the season. So it's just. We're just at this point. I mean, Rodrigo is injured, who, when he was injured, had more goals than Marcus Rashford. And so you just, to lose that yeah. guy at that point in the season, when Marsh brings him on, we're 3 0 up away to Accrington. And then he, he's out for two months. And you're just like, why? Why are we doing this? And the one guy you, that can score a goal. Do you think that if you park the bus in 2023 in a 4 5 1 with three Americans in centre midfield in the Premier League, you probably deserve to be relegated? Look, if anyone knows oh, how to defend wow. turf that isn't theirs, it's three Americans, okay? So they they are going to do whatever they can to make sure Leeds are still in the Prem. <laughs> That's rough. Who is, um, who, who's the third? You got McKenney, Aarons, Aronson. Adams. Yeah, Tyler Adams. The oh, captain, Adams, bro. Yeah, that's right. Not, American not captain. Um, Weston McKenney's a really good player, though. Um, if you manage to stay up and you can do something there to keep him, that that's... You know, you know, you know what Leeds have. I'll just do it really quick. It's the one day Izzy pivot, and that we have Adams and McKenney. Neither of them can play a fucking pass in between the lines. Really good at playing balls over the top into space. And we're just we're so toothless in midfield. Still, McKenney is a real box to box type midfielder. Mm. You know, not but not cannot really he just DM. can't play a cutting pass though. No. Um, one one day and Izzy wouldn't be in a relegation battle in the Premier League either. <laughs> that, that'd be reaching. Yeah, well, one's got a snap leg, so of course not. Uh, Wolves played Spurs. This ended 1-0 to Wolves. Um, geez, Spurs absolutely battered them for the most part in the first half. They hit the bar like three times. Son had a, few, a number of chances. Um, Wolves ended up snatching a goal, and then the referee blew full-time as... A Tottenham player was lining up a volley inside the box to call to call the end of the game. How is that? Don't you? Oh, it just fucking boils the blood to see it as the. Uh, as I the had a good giggle though. Oh, it's funny. I don't mind it. Like <laughs> even if Wolves have got three points out of nothing down, it puts a dagger into Leeds again. This is just great to see. I love to see the oiliest man in football. He just. His whole body shape and everything when he approaches the ball, you just reckon, oh, he's going to bury this into Rosette, isn't he? There's no way this is going on goal. Yeah. Adama Traore showing a rare glimpse of composure. <laughs> Couldn't believe it. I'd, yeah. Outside of that, it's just, it's just, it, it's so Spurs. What can you say? They change manager, they change combination of player, but they continually you know, season on season dish up this kind of performance against a relegation candidate when they are supposed to be in the driving seat of fourth place and trying to put pressure on the top three as well. This is crazy. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Hubert, do you have something? 
Yeah, I don't know how much you can read into the performance and, and shit on the performance because, you know, they had 21 shots. They put two yeah. or three of those away. We're not even talking about it's this game. Proper and FIFA it's, game. It's probably um probably well summed up by Jose Sar being man of the match. And it's a, as we'd probably all call it in racing, it's probably a forgive run. A forgive Ooh. run? Oh, we're bringing okay. racing chat into the pod. Wow. Look, I know you don't want me to do it, but their XG wasn't that great. Here we and go. So when you think about the quality of chance, you can have 21 shots on goal, but if you're not going to amount, you know, uh, yes, they hit the bar, they hit the post, whatever. You need that XG that doesn't on your count side, as a dude. shot on target. Well, I'm just saying, if you're not, you can have as many shots in the game as you want, but if they're not quality chances, it doesn't mean anything. I've seen a team with uh, two penalties and a missed one-on-one have an XG of. 0.7 before, so I don't want to hear it. it. It amazes me how much a guy that supports a team with a minus 11 goal difference in a relegation battle gives a fuck about expected goals. The answer is not me. <laughs> well, Leeds' expected goals are always very good, so this is all I can cling to. Fighting words. Uh, the last game from that Saturday night was uh, Southampton-Leicester. Finished 1-0, and there was a lot of noise around the St. Mary's when this goal went in. Uh, Ward-Prowse also missed a penalty. What we had is Penalty saved in this game. And then our big boy, Harry Suter, had a massive chance, 95th minute header that uh, did hit, uh, hit the bar or just went over. Um, huge missed opportunity there. And one that gives Southampton a massive three points. Massive. Yeah, I don't like it. Why do they keep doing this against Chelsea now, against Leicester? Where are these points coming from? It makes no sense. Yeah, huge result for them. Um and it's going to be a one hell of a relegation battle to finish this season. I mean, between 12th and 20th, you've got a six-point gap. So mm. it is it is going to be something to behold, I think, that relegation battle. And it keeps going too because Sunday night was uh, Forrest and Everton to all, Tommy, that Everton snagging a point as well just to keep right onto, onto your boys. Look, it's it. That's probably a good result for Leeds. I don't mind that too much. But I just my favorite part of this game was Everton completing the the dice goal achievement, and that it's like get it launched from the goalkeeper, header, header, yeah, six yards tap in from Decore, bang. Are we still pretty happy that Forrester staying out of this? Yeah, personally, yes. They have a bit of quality about them, but I think they're going to get dragged into it for sure. Oh, so well, you said yes. No, I mean yes. I like that they're not involved, or I like I like the idea of them not getting relegated. But I think you know of those teams, they're probably one of the most vulnerable. At you know more so than West Ham, more so than Wolves, probably more so than Leicester, Palace. Just uh, maybe similarly, but just Forest, the, kind of the inexperience, I would say. And the, the idea that you want to try and gel 23 new players together in one season and you've got to try and beat relegation altogether. It, when you get into the last eight to five games of this, like Leeds went through it last season, you really need some sort of solidity and like a an experience in this kind of situation, I think. Mm. Yeah, I'm going to probably cut the fat of it a bit and say that I'm pretty confident that it's going to be three of that bottom four going down still. I still think we're flipping a coin between... Leeds, Everton, Southampton and Bournemouth to see who stays up. I think it's one of those four. Um, Everton have played an extra game on the other three, though, and a point for Southampton and a point for for Bournemouth is enough to bring Everton equal bottom and a result for both of them can have Everton right at the bottom of the table. So they are in huge, huge trouble. Huge I think, shit. 
Yeah, I think you'll know a lot more in four games time, especially regarding Leeds, because they've got to play uh, Wolves and they've got to play Forest and Palace. And so when you've got all those teams playing against each other, by I reckon the 30th game of this season, you'll know a lot more. Yeah, Excellent. Tom, Tom just turned into Michael Owen. By the 30th game of this season, you'll know a lot more. Yeah, fucking obviously. Well, look, on Sky, remarkably, he's probably the most knowledgeable person you can hear from. So I'll take that as a compliment. Thank you. Cooper's board is fighting words tonight. Uh, the other game, obviously, Liverpool beating United 7-0. We've already covered that. And this morning, we're recording, what, on a Tuesday, late on a Tuesday night. Uh, Brentford beat Fulham 3-2, a five-goal game at, at the Bees. Um, uh, nothing really event this one, really. Uh, good game, but not with a whole lot of... You, you keep saying on the table. You keep saying that, but Brentford, you got to give some respect to this team. You know they've only lost four games all season. Yeah. Do you know how insane that is? They've not lost yeah. since October or something. I'm just saying, it's incredible. I'm just saying this game doesn't have huge ramifications for the table. Well, it may contribute to who finishes sixth this season because I tell you what, Fulham, Brighton, Brentford—they are chasing Newcastle hard. Anyone else? Nothing. No one's got anything. You know, reckon Fulham. See, you're proving my point. I just, I think there's a little bit of disrespect going on between these guys. This is as interesting as the relegation battle. I think those three teams now. You know, the unfashionable Fulham just came up. Brighton, who lost Potter, Brentford in their second season. They're supposed to be doing shit. They're supposed to be down on the table. This is, you know, what this is. This is Premier League mafia shit. This it is, is Super League fans. It's not as fun. Nope. This is. I am recording this podcast Here with two go. Super League fans. And you guys don't give a fuck about anything outside of the top six. And it's very, very apparent. You just made huge accusations and you didn't say allegedly. I'm suing you. By all means. Nice shift's over. Cooper, what's our breakaway pod going to be? And don't say anything about weird... Red, know, Red Bull something. <laughs> deviant fringe shows. Um, no, I just wonder... In terms of that group in seventh place, is it is it almost crippling for one of these teams to finish seventh and have to play in the conference league next year? That's the way I've always felt about it. You know, I reckon there's it now, happened to uh, West Ham and look at them. That's okay. That's a good point, but maybe it's because they're managed by Moyes and they they just invested incorrectly with the wrong kind of manager. When they did he become good... Moyes? When he became the Moyes sire, Sammy. He's a respected manager now, so you've got to add emphasis on the oh yes. It makes him sound more continental. Because if he's just boys, you're just like, Ugh, what is this? Just another just another red-headed Scott trying to make his way in the Premier League. Mm. No, when you look at these three teams, I reckon and the investment that you get in the Premier League, you know, that is so, so like it's just astronomical compared to the other four leagues, the top leagues in Europe. I reckon you can now properly make a charge on all fronts. Brilliant. All right. Um, we might that might do for the Premier League. Uh, Tommy, you got a La Liga wrap for us? A little La Liga wrap. There was some uh, interesting results on the weekend. Mm. We've neglected Barcelona. this league a lot this year. Yeah, we have. We have. But that why is that? Mm, probably because it is still dominated by three teams that <laughs> have such yeah. a huge margin between them now. Even then, um, we're looking at. You know, Barca got out to a nine-point gap this week. They're like 18, what are they, 17 points ahead of third in Atletico, who are like Ooh, yeah. eight points behind Real Madrid. So it's so spread out, that top three. 
it's not engaging really if you peer in like as a casual onlooker. But no. I think what's interesting in this season, there's a few quirks that have emerged. Barcelona now nine points clear, win one nil again. The eighth time they've won one nil in La Liga this season. Yeah. Which I don't know how do you look at that? Do you look at that as like just a good team doing what they need to do to win the league? Or is it boring? Is it not satisfactory to see Barcelona play like this and win one nil and win titles? I've watched them. A, I've watched them a bit, and um, they're still good to watch. Their games are entertaining. They're just they're not like putting in the killer blow, and I think it's going to come with time. But this is a big change from last year, where they were obviously like dropping points everywhere, and um, you know they fought their way back eventually with Xavi to have an impact on the title race. But overall, we're pretty off it, and then. They're just starting to get better and better under him, starting to get wins, not so much the, you know, the brilliant goals, like you say, but I think it's going to come. Okay. All right. It's lacking the polishing touch at the moment, but they're, you know, they're top by nine points, so there'll be no complaints. That's it. You can't really complain about the position that they're in. Um, what you can complain about is probably Real Madrid's form. Uh, I know this ties into what Cooper will be up doing in the, the Liverpool play Real Madrid this week or is it next week? Been oh geez, testing me here. Two weeks. Good question. Two weeks time, I think. Two weeks time. This dropped points against Batiste. Not great for their title ambition. Does that mean that they now just focus entirely on another Champions League victory? Yeah, are they, they good out enough? Of it? Are they are they good enough to win a Champions League this year? I think they've proven that that they are each year. They managed to get through in these knockout rounds really well. Um, they just have a way of string it together for that competition. That goes even right back to Ronaldo's time. Yeah, a few weeks ago we had a chat about um, Tommy, you were saying that you didn't think that Vinicius Jr. had potentially lived up to the hype surrounding him. Um, I know I missed the pod, I've missed the pod for a couple of weeks now, but just looking back on that 5-2 at Anfield against Liverpool, every single time he touched the ball in that game, I was absolutely fucking terrified. He is just... He is dynamite on the ball, man. And and it just makes me wonder, you know, they've got that foundation with him now. If they can can string a couple a couple players in that team around him, they will be a force to be reckoned with again, I believe. Yeah. But yeah, I just I nine points behind Barcelona. They look like they're out of the, the league, don't they? Yeah, you'd think they're out of the league. You'd think they're through the round of 16 to into another quarterfinal of the Champions League at this point. So Yeah, exactly. Yeah, not the only thing going on in La Liga, though. Obviously, two massive clubs find themselves in real danger of disappearing out of La Liga into the second division, and they are, Tommy. Uh, one, Sevilla, who copped a hiding at the weekend by a, uh, Anton Guizman-led Atletico Madrid, 6-1, I believe. Yeah. And the other one who is more immersed in this is um, Valencia, which is just incredible. Yeah. they So Valencia sit 19th, 23 points. Um, they're a long way off dead bottom, but they are stuck in that relegation zone. Sevilla sit two spots above them, just outside, but only two points. Uh, only goal difference, two goals, keeping them out of it. Uh, but Spain is head-to-head, isn't it? So that doesn't really matter, but... Um, just going off the live score table that has goal difference. Um, Severe last year was it last year they were up they were in the title race up until like the last two rounds. Mm-hmm. It was so during one of the seasons the we recorded this. Yeah, yeah, 
I believe it was last season, where they were just under the radar right there on the edge of it, um, but were beaten by Barcelona in like maybe with two or three games to go, and that was that ended their chase. But yeah, huge just for them to be down there. Just for context, like Sevilla and Valencia being down there is not, it's like it's bigger than Everton and West Ham being in the relegation zone in the Prem. For that league, like, I, I think, think so, yes. Yeah, I think so as well. Like yeah. this, this could have huge ramifications on these two clubs Sevilla, if they drop down the... Sevilla played Champions League football this year. <laughs> there you go. You know, Maybe that's the European hangover we're trying to tie in. Yeah, Maybe. Um, but anyway, that's La Liga. Uh, I'll just quickly do a little. Um, there's nothing really, no update in Germany. Top teams were winning. Um, the update from Italy, huge change in the title race. Uh, Napoli lost to Lazio, and so now they're only 15 points ahead. Oh jeez, are they getting nervous? Just, just 15 points. Yeah. I hope they've been playing uh, the like the dressing room recordings. Of the uh, Lazio uh, players after the game, just to try and inspire this. inspire a little bit of confidence and uh, you know g them up again. Do you want to elaborate? Did you? Is it, I don't know if it's true. All the all kinds of crazy things come out, but in the wake of this, someone told me that Ten Hag played the uh, the Liverpool players celebrating the victory in the change rooms after the game on the the morning of the review. And personally, I don't think that's a great idea. That's <laughs> To me as an individual, if I heard that, yeah, I'd be like, dude, I know. I fucking know. I was there. I played in the game. That's weird. Like um, Adelaide Crows camp listening to the <laughs> Richmond song shit. And that's exactly, yes. Yeah, bizarre. Um, Roma beat Juve this week as well. 1-0. <laughs> Moise Keane with the, a proper rigged or shit nomination. The funniest red card I've seen in a long time. After 40 seconds, he just booted a guy in the back of the leg. Without the ball, <laughs> booted him. Didn't want to be there. Maybe at his uh, sister's birthday to get to. Uh, uh. But yeah, that puts Roma and Lazio, they're both third and fourth now with Milan and Atalanta slipping right out. It's uh, it's ever-changing. I think you can lock in Napoli, but from second down to sixth is still up and down because no team can find consistent form. Milan got back in form with a few big wins. They beat Atalanta and then... Over the weekend, lost to 12th place Fiorentina 2-1. So, um, disaster for them. And great for Lazio and Roma, but I don't trust them. I don't trust Lazio to hold on. I don't trust Roma to hold on. I wouldn't trust Milan. It's, you know. You don't trust Italians is what you're telling me. If you want to put it that way, allegedly. Allegedly, I don't. Um, My lawyer's got a few defo cases to look after this weekend. You can't really lock any of them in. So it's going to be an interesting uh, Champions League race in that league, at least. Beautiful. That's tip-top Euro wrap. We've done the yeah, job. That'll do us. I think we're done. Um, good to be back to do a Europod after last week's gap gap week. Um, stay tuned. Red edition. What do we have on the weekend? What did Adelaide do on the weekend? I can't even remember right now. Oh, we had a massive win over Melbourne City. It was say. such a good night. I forgot about it. Cooper, how good was that night? Uh, he wasn't there. Don't ask him. 